feel the same way. Some people might say they're drunk on something up there. In the first service, they told me, we are, we are. Drunk on the Spirit. If Walter and I were in Chicago this morning, we would be making our way through drunks to get to church. It is St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you. I see some of you are in your green. But this happened every year going to that church on, in the middle of the city. Um, on St. Patrick's Day, they start at 9 a.m., single fee. You get to drink as long as you can. And so they're getting drunk. Some are just celebrating and having a good time. But then I know some of them in there are seeking that elusive camaraderie they can only find when they let their walls down and they only know how to do that with the assistance of alcohol. Some are actually seeking freedom in finding a new level of numbness. And some of them are actually trying to find the spirit in many, many, many bottled spirits. He asked me to pray for him, to pray that he wouldn't connect, that he would not feel, that he wouldn't see attractive men. He was desperate. He didn't even like having a body. He felt it betrayed him. He had been taught it wasn't good to have desire of any kind much less for other men. I don't know how he found me, he shook my hand, and it was almost as if his spirit wasn't even in the body. Kind of cold, fish, limp, not present. Not because of any kind of physical injury, but just because within himself he had divided his being, separate, compartmentalized, broken, his body was speaking to him, but he would not listen. I said, sure, I will pray. But I won't ask for God to take away your eyes or for you to not see beauty or for your feelings to be amputated. But I will pray. I will pray for your best, for your wholeness, for your health for God to remove the separation within yourself that you may hear a new truth, that God made this body just for you, all of it you, and longs for you to live abundantly, to love fully, to be reunited within yourself, to be whole. Oh yes, I will pray. She asked me to pray for her. She was all covered up. Not in the way that used to be stylish with those big baggy clothes. But, you know, she wasn't trying to fit in. She was just trying to hide. She did not want to be seen. She had been hurt young. And the lesson she took from that was to do everything possible to cover up. To not be seen because she thought somehow it was her fault. She was a bit awkward and moved as if her body was a huge weight, a burden that she had to carry. She wanted me to pray. To pray to keep her safe. To keep her from connecting. 
to keep her from tempting others so that she would be hurt again. She couldn't imagine it was anything but her own doing somehow, even though she had been a child. Sure, I'll pray, but I won't ask God to take away your desire to connect or the curves of your hips or your smile. I can't pray that people won't see you and that you're going to be alone. But I will pray. I will pray for healing from hurt, for restored trust in yourself, for discernment to know what is yours to own and what is another's responsibility. I will pray for healing connections, body and spirit, that you may yourself see yourself the way God sees yourself you and you will know your body as a gift oh yes I will pray he had worked so hard on his body small waist broad shoulders right haircut big chest right clothes shirt cutting right across the bicep you know that's on purpose he could get just about anyone he wanted whenever he wanted them and he had but now he needed something different. He was tired of being lonely. He actually liked this one. He felt a connection. And it lasted four months, one whole month past those three-month ones that always ended in disaster. But he was hitting a wall. He had compartmentalized sensuality and intimacy from sexuality a long time ago. And he didn't know how to make them live together again. He had practiced it and trained himself really well. Could he overcome this practice? Was it possible to unite his sensuality and spirituality for intimacy that he'd not yet found or known? Can we pray, he said. Oh yes, we can pray. Let's listen to your heart. He said, help me. I am falling apart into pieces. I just can't control it. Make it stop. I always have managed to control myself before. I'm adult, for goodness sakes. These tears. I'm just not going to survive. I have to go to work. I have to finish disposing of the estate. I have to hold it together. I don't have time for this. How do I stop crying? You say that grief group lasts six weeks? Will I stop crying then? Will that be all done? No more grief? Can you pray? Yes, we can pray. I just can't pray that you won't feel or that you'll have a timeline on your grief or that you'll forget loving or that it won't matter. You are letting your feelings in. It's a part of you that you carved out a long time ago. I don't think you're falling apart. I think you're falling together. I think you're becoming whole. Listen to your feelings. Listen to your heart. I like it that on our heads today, Van has added a stethoscope to the center one as a way of listening. Sometimes we feel like we need a little extra equipment to actually hear our own heart. 
whatever had worked in their lives before was not working anymore. And it did feel like life, like everything that they knew was falling apart. This time they had to find a new way, a new way to be, different than before, at least if they were going to find healing. Their answers had to go deeper, to a new level, where the spiritual and the sensual united, where safety and risk were held together, where intimacy was actually freed and wholeness. If they listened deeper, more deeply, they found really that they weren't falling apart, but that they were falling together, becoming whole. Sometimes we have to listen a part of ourselves that we have thrown away back into our very own being. Emotions, sensations, feelings, vulnerability. It requires listening and receiving, allowing, being open. True listening is a work of love. Our contemporary reading today affirms that the work of love is creating the conditions where what is true and beautiful can grow and blossom. Creating the conditions where what is true and beautiful can grow and blossom. That you create safe spaces for young people to grow into this. That you companion one another along the way. To be a companion in this, you have to be fully receptive to find the true and beautiful in others, to find the true and beautiful in yourself, to listen to something new, listen and create something into being. The work of love doesn't just apply to others, but applies to yourself as well. Have you looked for what is true and beautiful in you? Have you created some safety and companioned yourself to grow and blossom? Are you listening deeply so that wherever you feel like you're falling apart, you may find a deeper place of coming together? How goes it with your soul? Wonderful spiritual question. How goes it with your soul? In the biblical understanding, at least in the Hebrew understanding, the soul is sometimes called nephesh, N-E-F-E-S-H, depending on what English writer is writing. But the soul, the concept of soul is body and spirit together, undivided. So whenever you hear, how is it going with the soul, it's as one. It's not, how is your prayer life? Or, how is the gym? It's, how is your prayer life at the gym? How goes it with your soul? Are you keeping yourself together? Are you listening to the emotions, body, spirit, hope, pain, giving, receiving, resisting, grieving? Don't carve any more parts off yourself. I'm thankful that in the reading today, Jesus is at home in his own skin. Today's Bible story is in all four of the Gospels. Sometimes the woman doesn't have a name. Sometimes she has a reputation. Sometimes she's called a sinner. In one account, this happens in Simon the leper's house, a man who Jesus may have healed. It is surrounded by lots of ruckus and noise and arguments, but at the center of this story is an act of love. In the account of Gospel of John, which is before us today, the woman with the alabaster jar, I had to sit up front to see your face while you were singing. 
the woman with the alabaster jar is named Mary. There's lots of Marys in the Bible. I think that's why queer people like the word Mary so much. <laughs> Mary, Mary, Mary. You know, there's Mary, wife of Clopas, Mary this, Mary that. Well, this is Mary of Mary and Martha. And John places this account in their home. You know, Mary, the Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus and listened, had theology lessons. The Mary who held Jesus accountable when he arrived late and Lazarus had already died, and she said, he would have lived if you had been here. This is the Mary that this gospel writer is talking about. Mary holds Jesus accountable. Mary listens to Jesus. Mary is family to Jesus. She's been listening to him with her heart, and she's been watching too. And in that space, she is called forward to this act today. She acts in love. She acquires the perfume. She finds the moment, and she approaches Jesus. No words. No words. Her action is much louder than words. She says, you matter to me, Jesus. You've been walking and teaching and are tired. I will minister to you. Let me take your feet. This action is louder than the complaints of Jesus in the story, of Judas in the story, louder than any other noise in the room, louder than any of the elements that are about to happen in the next week. She continues, it doesn't matter who sees, who sees the touch, who sees her tears, who sees the intimacy. Jesus receives her. He receives her ministry. The perfume overwhelms the room. More people notice, but Jesus stays connected to her, letting go of any of the other words, because this action is one of love. Jesus receives. Jesus settles into his own body. He allows this luxurious gift of love to flow over him, to feel appreciated, loved, maybe even pampered. Jesus honors her love, the outpouring of emotion along with the oil. He does not shy away from it. He takes it in. He is fully present to Mary in her devotion, body and spirit, nephesh, soul. Mary is showing Jesus, not telling him, showing him that she loves him. She says, I have been listening in her acts I know who you are. Receive, experience. Allow us to connect and trust. Jesus does. And the impact is great, so great that Jesus learns. I love it that in our scripture that it says Jesus grows in stature and in wisdom. And this is one of the moments in time where Jesus grows. Jesus learns from the woman who is ministering to him. Not too long later, when the disciples are bickering and trying to position themselves in a better place with one another, Jesus takes a towel, he wraps it around his waist, and he kneels down to wash each of their feet. I think he learned it here, in this act of love that he allowed himself to receive. Peter resists and says, no, you cannot do that to me. And, P and Jesus says, if you don't participate, I have no part in you. That's pretty clear. 
If you don't participate, I have no part of you, no part of me. Well, then Peter, ever the extremist, well, then wash all of me, Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus says, no, you're clean. <laughs> I just need your feet. I just need your feet. But I'm convicted in this. I'm convicted. I think it'll be a growing edge in my life until I die. How to receive so fully as Jesus did when Mary offered this gift to him. I don't know about you, but I'm just a bit squeamish about this foot-washing stuff. I know Mary did it. I know Jesus did it. I know Jesus actually commanded it. Yet I'm still squeamish. You know, he said, take the bread, remember me. Take the cup, remember me. He said, wash feet, remember her. That's what he said. I appreciate the hesitancy of my lipstick lesbian friend, Esther who bemoaned that whenever we had a washing feet thing, she would have to remember to shave her legs, get a pedicure, and not to wear pantyhose. She had to get ready, get armored actually, to have her feet touched, washed by another, prepared to receive. I'm not sure a mani-pedi is what Mary or Jesus was about. I myself remember refusing this act one time. A group of us, a small group, they were passing the water basin around, and I took my feet and I sat on them so nobody could get at them. You know, I said, I don't want that to happen. I happened to be mad at one of them at the time. But even not being mad at people, it's still a challenge to receive without lessening the impact, without giggling or laughing or making a joke. I'm just not a barefoot kind of guy. I even wear socks with my sandals. Some of you have seen it. <laughs> but yeah, don't judge. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. But beyond that personal idiosyncrasy, I think I get the, get the depth, the depth of what it means and what it meant. And sometimes it just feels a little too risky to allow to receive in that very deep way, to think Jesus and God wants such intimacy with me, needs my response, says I have no part unless I'm ready to receive in this way. If you don't receive, you have no part of me. Come on, Troy, be whole. Let those pieces fall together. Reformer Martin Luther thought this should be our third sacrament, foot washing. I visited a dear friend at MD Anderson this week. He had survived esophageal surgery for cancer. He wasn't supposed to talk because to do the surgery, they have to collapse your lungs. And they were bruised and had pneumonia. I was allowed five minutes, but I took 10. The tubes and the incisions were such that I couldn't hug him. I could talk, I could pray, I could share. But more importantly, what I did without thinking was hold his feet. Hold them gently, showing him he was loved. He let me. He received it. It was a gift for both of us. So Jesus says to all the detractors who are saying things about this woman, he says, she gets it. 
and she will always be remembered for this. He models being whole. He models what it's like to be fully in your own skin, to not carve off pieces of yourself. And then Jesus takes the learning and puts it right into action, commands the disciples and us to do the same. Are you ready to receive God in such an intimate way? Are you ready to fall together anew? Easter, it's coming. Amen.